Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of the world's greatest boxing podcast, I Like Boxing with Joe and Joel. I'm Joseph Caulfield, the world's greatest boxing podcast host, joined as always by the amiable, professional, magnificent Joel Illier, the man, the myth, the legend. You've done really well today, Joe. Hello, mate. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent introduction. Well, you know, it's a, it's a pleasure to be in your company as per usual, Joel. Oh, thank you. You too, man. I've been really looking forward to seeing you today. Oh, yeah. Why is that? I just have. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's just been a boring, boring day of work, really. Yeah, and yeah. I was lonely. I was telling you before, I was just a little bit lonely today. Yeah. You... And so it enforced sort of depression, I guess, made yeah. me actually look forward to seeing you. Yeah, I'm glad, well, I'm glad to it. hear that I've, you know, had such a positive impact on you since I arrived in your flat. Well, I think real sort of semi-extreme negativity has a positive impact on my view of you oh really yeah. <laughs> okay i don't know what to make of that <laughs> i wouldn't think too deeply about it's a it, backhanded man. compliment i think absolutely <laughs> i would never give you a proper one so yeah no How... I'd, I'd, I'd i have been looking forward to you and i would give you a proper compliment Joe. good I think, good you're a great guy mate thank you that's all right man how was your weekend it was, yeah, really good, man. Really good. I enjoyed it. You were on a stag? Is that I right? I was on a stag, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. How'd that go? It was tiring. <laughs> yeah, I bet it was. <laughs> but no, it was a good night. Do you want to see what the stag looked like? Where, where was, where did you go? I uh, went to Bristol. Lovely city. Oh, man. yeah. Lovely city. Well, it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Looks good, mate. Yeah. 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 Very good looking fellas you hang out with. Yeah. Joel's just showing me some photos of the uh, trip and uh, to be honest, I wish he hadn't. (laughs) (laughs) He just got an idea of what a weekend was like. Yeah. But yeah, it was, it was lovely. The the city of Bristol is a fine city with not much boxing tradition, I don't think. I didn't see any signs. Can you think of any famous Bristolians who, uh, you know, Jane Couch maybe? She's not from Bristol. Well, she's near from near Bristol, I think. She's she certainly trained in Bristol, I well, think. That'll Spanorium do. gym. Yeah, that'll do. Yeah, that'll do. Jane yeah, Couch. Yeah. Lovely Jane Couch. <laughs> Jane Couch, that's what I was thinking, mate. Yeah. Just down the road, I believe. Yes, yes. So I was back at work today. I know. I yeah, know, how'd it yeah. go? <laughs> it was, uh, I enjoyed it, but it was tough. I got back home and, you know, been up for 12 hours. I certainly right. felt it when I got back. Oh, dear. Yeah, the life of the working man has, has come back to haunt me again. Sorry, what, being awake for 12 hours, did you say? Yeah. Well, I mean, I've worked that. for about eight hours of that. Right. Yeah. I was up at half five, Joel. You wouldn't know because, you know, no, you I don't wouldn't. have kids. Oh, wow. Well, I've not about going to bed at half five. <laughs> <laughs> That's when Joel goes to bed. <laughs> That's when I get up. Right, let's get down with the boxing. So there were no uh, no reviews to do. Are there, Joel? You are getting so old. Let's get down with the boxing. There are no reviews, no. Uh, we've done our review of the weekend. Yeah, that's that's it. Because um, we didn't preview anything last week, there's we nothing to, there's to nothing review. To review so <laughs> so sort of lessons our workload. Exactly. Well, let's jump straight to the news instead. Then, so Jessica McCaskill versus Chantel Cameron and Joe Cordina versus Shavkatson Rakimov. Mm-hmm. Joe Cordina against Rakimov has been added to the Dmitry Bivol Gilberto Zerdo Ramirez card on November the fifth, which will be taking place in Saudi Arabia. What are your thoughts on the fight between Jessica McCaskill and Chantal Cameron? I think we discussed this briefly on one pod and we were both firmly of the view that Chantal Cameron would probably win that fight. Yeah, I think it's your classic boxer versus brawler. Yeah. And I fancy Chantal's chances. 
Yeah. Very much so. I think it's a great five for her. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah. No, she's a good boy. And Jessica McCaskill's last performance wasn't very good. It wasn't, no. Yeah. Uh, she'll, uh, she's moving down in weight, though, so she may, you know, she may get a bit of a boost by it. Maybe yeah. that's what she needs. Yeah. Who knows? Mm. Uh, Joe Cordina against Rakimov. I think you. I also recorded you saying you fancied Rakimov to win I this fight. I just think it's a very close fight. I don't think this is a, a sort of Cordina yeah. heavy, heavily loaded fight. You know, I think yeah. uh, this this could this is a great fight. Actually, really good. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, two no, solid contenders. That'll be a, a cracking fight. I'm going to mm. go for Cordina just because I loved his last knockout. Yeah, cool, and Gilberto uh, Zudo Ramirez or Gilberto Ramirez against Dimitri Bivol I mean I'm going Bivol on points on that one I think he's going to put on a, a bit a bit of a clinic I completely agree with you yeah he's I too mean, good Ramirez seems to be huge whatever weight he fights at like like Callum Smith he's one of them ones but yeah I completely agree Bivol's on a different level mate he's so good and he's on such a hot run of form yeah he's one of the elite fighters in the game at the moment so you've got to go for him yeah I mean he's, uh, he's got to fight um, better Biev mm. so it's a nice, nice is card a... isn't it yeah it is really, really good nice card, card. Yeah. not often you get a stacked card like this on a non pay-per-view event you don't get them on pay-per-views really now so I'm, I'm sort of looking forward to it yeah good right Joshua Boazzi against John Pascal has been signed with Lou DiBella winning the purse and this will be aired on BT Sport in the UK I have to just say very briefly that when Lou DiBella announced this he posted a picture of Joshua Boazzi with I believe Michael Wand <laughs> instead oh of John Pascal <laughs> I remember seeing it and you just saw the comments quickly <laughs> coming through that's not John Pascal <laughs> Did DiBella say anything about it? I don't think he did because oh, I had a look at his Twitter account and the tweet was deleted at some point yeah. afterwards. So what's he, he meant to say? Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, Just no, say I'll... sorry. I mean, you know, it's, it's a mis- it was a stupid mistake. It was, yeah. You know. Stupid mistake where yeah. one black bloke got confused with, with another. another. Yeah, yeah. It happened, it's happened in the football on the papers as well. What do you mean? I'm sure that there have been some high-profile premiership footballers who've oh, in newspapers Danny and they've is. had a picture of, like, Lukaku was, I'm yeah. sure, with someone else. I thought you had a specific there. You're ab- absolutely correct. I've, I've definitely, there's definitely been these things happen yeah. before. Yeah, it certainly need to be uh, sensitive and, and just correct <laughs> would help. <laughs> it is a sort of really annoying form of racism, isn't it? You know. Yeah, but, yeah. You know. I mean, what I just don't understand what could compel the person doing that tweet to get it wrong. I mean, that's already a problem in a mm. way because who the fuck's doing your tweets? Some yeah. idiot who knows doesn't know who the fighters are. Yeah, where's quality or, control? And, and also, if you don't know who the fighter is or you're unsure, just bloody Google it and yeah. get familiar in about five seconds. Or just YouTube them and yeah. you'll see them fight. Yeah. Here's a fight um, I'm really looking forward to seeing. Um, is Jarrell Miller against Lucas Brown, the Battle of the Peds. Oh, it's going to be brilliant, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> Two fat blokes just going hammer and tongs. Didn't Jarrell Miller say something along the lines of he was going to have a fight a month or a fight a he week? He needs or... a fight a month. He does. I don't even know who I'd fancy to win that. I'm not even... I really don't care, actually. It's a fight I've no interest in seeing. Well... The reason I stuck that one in the schedule was that we agreed a couple of months ago that we were going to comically follow Jarrell Miller's <laughs> career. Yes, we did. And, and just mercilessly mock him. Yes, yes. So <laughs> that's, that, and I, I think mission accomplished. So yeah, anyway, yeah, exactly. Right, Derek Chisora has sensationally backed KSI to beat Tommy Fury if they ever thought. Your comment here, Joe, is WTF question mark exclamation mark, which I points to your view on this yeah 
I've got into sort of using, uh, what do you call them, like letters for words? You know, like WTF, LOL. Oh, yes. Um, abbreviations? Abbreviations. <laughs> I think what, what happened was we moved into the abbreviations era first. Yeah. And because I'm an old-fashioned Radio 4 listening motherfucker, <laughs> I was like, no, I'm not using abbreviations for words. Yeah. I'm not saying OMG and all of that. I remember yeah, yeah, the first yeah. time I heard that, I thought it was outrageous and I was it's... a little bit angry. Like, <laughs> and then people started using emojis. And I currently have something sort of against that. So yeah. I was like, well, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. And so to not look really out of touch, I've started using abbreviations. Yeah. Because I think it kind of stands out. I don't use emojis. Yeah. Even like old people use emojis. But yeah. I'm still going to, I'm sticking with it. Anyway, the reason I mention this is because you mentioned <laughs> that I'd, I'd said WTF. And the reason you mentioned I'd said WTF is because you wanted to know what I thought of Derek Chisora's comments yeah. about, about KSI, basically. Yeah, I'm glad you're getting to now, the point, Joel. I thought that <laughs> all this talk about Jake Paul beating an actual boxer and Tommy Fury yeah. was a little bit weird, yeah. as we both discussed, and just very off. Yeah. But moving from that to then saying that KSI yeah. can beat Tommy Fury, an actual boxer... That's when you go, Derek, I think you need to stop fighting, mate, because you're, you're showing signs of pugilistic dementia here, brother. Like, yeah. This is some insane talk. You say that, though, but this is talk that is prevalent amongst some fairly, you know, decent boxing... What, KSI? ...heads. Oh, sorry, I, th- I, I was getting confused with Jake no, Paul. No, 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 because I'm saying that Jake Paul is one thing yeah. where at least I can kind of see how you can yeah. say that and just be really off on your thinking. Yeah. And like maybe be a little bit blinded by certain elements of the sport. But KSI. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, KSI, nobody pretends that KSI can box, do they? Yeah. No. Other than KSI and like, you know, I guess kids. Yeah. Like nobody thinks that KSI can box. So what on earth is Derek Chisora saying there about it? Like, has he got something against Tommy Fury? He must, he have, must have an have agenda. There's no way he Tommy. says that seriously, believing it. I'm sorry, that's just not possible. I saw something. I, I think I saw something where he looked like he, well, he was he was arguing for it properly. Yeah. I'm not saying he believes it. Like, yeah, but, yeah. But I imagine 90 percent of the people that are saying that Jake Paul can beat Tommy Fury don't believe it. Yeah. It's boxing. Everyone's got a, a, <laughs> an opinion. angle, and a, yeah, you know, something going on. But yeah, this one. Anyway, this really jumped out of me to just us, us being in the very much post-truth, post having to say anything with any sincerity here. Yeah, and it's interesting you bring it up because our kinnan of the week is kind of relates to the subject of it, people like KSI. And it does, doesn't it? Jake Paul. So Chris Eubank Senior, the man. The legend, the legend of British boxing. I love him so much. He's a a legend. What a great fighter and such an interesting character. I I really want him. I just like the guy. I had somebody um, who came into contact with him recently in a customer service complaint way. (laughs) Right. And he was saying this story about Eubank. He had been a bit out of order, don't get me wrong. And I couldn't help it. I just had to totally back our Chris, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I can't hear a word against the fact. Exactly. <laughs> whatever complaint he raised, it was totally legitimate. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was saying. Yeah. Give him whatever refund he wants <laughs> for more than the value of the goods. Yeah. <laughs> no problem, mate. Your story aside, Joel. Uh, <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> Chris Eubank Sr. will be in Junior's Corner for the 
Connor Ben fight and love it. you know can't wait. I mean, obviously <laughs> both, both dads are going to be there. <laughs> I mean, it is ridiculous. They're probably going to be part of the head to head, aren't they? Yeah, they Somehow they'll just square up to each other. Oh, I can reckon they'll do one of them face to face things. Face to face, yeah, yeah that's all that yeah, business, yeah. wouldn't they? And yeah, they'll be at the press conferences. Maybe they'll get in a bit of RG before the fight or something. Sell it a little bit. Well, we've got to get our money's oh, worth. Oh, did you hear that? Um, the fight's going to be pay per view in the US on the zone. Oh, really? That's going a bit over the top, isn't it? Hmm, interesting. We just won't sell. Who on earth in the US cares about... They obviously need money. (laughs) Yeah, but you ain't going to get no money from that. They must need any money. Yeah, because you're going to be talking a few grand there. I mean, you're not going to get over 100k or something on that. Yeah. Surely. No. Uh, Very strange. Odd one. Yeah. Anyway, what was the actual question? What were we talking about? So I was just saying Chris Eubanks is going to be be in in his corner, so... Roy Jones, where does he fit into this? It's interesting you say that, but he Roy Jones won't be in his corner because Chris, uh, Chris, Chris U, no, Chris Eubank Jr. said in an interview that it can't be both because they're just too having both of them in, in his corner would do his head in. Yeah, but essentially, I, I think so if, I if Senior's going to be there, then you have to take the view, given what he said, that Roy Jones is not going to be in his corner for the fight. But that shows how on serious the guy is because what you're saying here is that you are forsaking your trainer and you know your best tactics and, and yeah. fight and your best self in the ring mm. for theater yeah and that just seems an Could astonishing to decision him. to make i mean it seems a very chris eubank junior decision don't get me wrong yeah kind of i'm not surprised i guess yeah, yeah, yeah. when i think about it but it seems like a uh, folly. No, it yeah. seems like folly. I mean, he's going to struggle to make weight anyway. Yeah. And he might not be in particularly good condition on the, the day of the fight. And if he hasn't, you know, if he doesn't have his usual trainer in his corner, could be a really bad night for Chris I Eubank Jr. I think you're right. Know. But on the other hand, yeah. Chris Eubank Sr. will look a lot better than Roy Jones Jr. And yeah. he's going to do some serious prancing in between rounds, man. <laughs> he's going to be just standing and staring at his son yeah. after the first round in See, some I'm, pose. I really like that when yeah. he used to do that. I found if, it really entertaining. He, yeah, if my cornerman did that, I'm pretty sure I'd be like, I'm not knackered at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he would Let's, just sort of put superimpose on me some superpower with his stare. Mate, if we, let's just sort out a fight for you and then I'll come and work your corner. <laughs> yeah, no thanks. Out, I, I want to win. I'll <laughs> I'll wear my special darts t-shirt and everything. I'll look great. Yeah. Well, why is a special darts t-shirt going to help me in a boxing match? Well, it's just the most sort of flamboyant piece of clothing I've got. So I just <laughs> thought that maybe that'd work. Although I do also have... Oh, I've got Joe Kazaki's jacket though, haven't I? Actually. Oh, yeah, yeah. You so should sell that. that. No, that yeah. no, I'm not selling that. Yeah. It's not all about money, Joe. <laughs> sell it to you me know, for a fiver. Like the Eddie Earn over there. Do you know what I mean? Jesus. Right. Let's get, move on to the previews. Because Joel is going to Wales this weekend, we won't have our usual episode next week, so we're previewing the following week's fights as well, so that when we're when he's back from his kind of well, you know, deserved holiday. <laughs> sojourn. His sojourn. At the cottage, the cottage we've both been oh, to. It's nice. Cottage. Joe was there a couple of weeks ago. In the Welsh Hills, yeah. It's a nice little bit of peace there, isn't it? It is, yeah. yeah. No, it's beautiful. Liam Smith against uh, Mukinho, which is... And that's the Mukinho who beat Sam Eggington a few years back. It's quite a good fight for Liam Smith, and I think it's one he'll probably win, but I think it could be quite a tough test. Well, Maybe a little bit tougher than people think. Yeah, Mukinho really did a number of Eggington on Eggington a few years ago, 
in a period of Eggington's career where he was on a little bit of a run and yep. going for a title shot. Yep. I think, in fact, he had a title shot lined up in his next fight. I can't remember against who, but just for one of the alphabet yeah. titles. We don't mention titles, Joel. Well, so I say, say title, alphabet. I say, like, you know, I say, <laughs> what shall I say instead? Just say nothing. <laughs> well, Trinket. I'm, I'm putting it, yeah, I'm putting it in the context, though, of he was on a hot run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't after a loss or anything like this. This was when they were building him and Umwakinho was bought in to lose. Yeah. And he won big. Yeah. And he beat the crap out of yeah. Eggington. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he, he put an absolute uh, horrific beating, beating on him. Yeah. And I I really fancy the guy to put up a good fight here just after yeah. seeing that. But I did like what I saw that night. Liam Smith also is on a very good very run. Very good run, yeah. Uh, so I think this is a excellent matchup for Sky Sports main event fight. Yeah, no, it should be, should be a good fight. And on the undercard, you got my man Dan Aziz, man. Oh, yes, yeah. Peters, haven't yeah. you? So I'm really looking forward to he's that. Gonna one, well, he's going to win that one, Yeah, but the fellow who's fighting Peters is, is a good fight. He lost to Craig Richards not long ago, about a year ago, I think. Yeah, points. And it, no, he got knocked out in the ninth round. Okay. And he is about half a foot taller than Dan Aziz. Yeah. So it's really interesting. Okay, interesting, yeah. Uh, match up in that respect. The, when the si- there's such a size discrepancy, yeah. it can really uh, it can really cover a, a lot of deficiencies that the bigger man may have. So I think that this is one that Pitters will be licking his lips yeah. at this fight. But then at the same time... I could never pick against Dan Aziz. I think he's absolutely brilliant. The guy's like a mini... Um, Joe Caulfield? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, I've, I've ruined your flow. I'm just wondering where the, the humour is in that. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's like a mini Marvin Hagler. Yes. Oh, I've just in finished reading the Marvin style. Hagler book, by the way. Sorry. What answer. Marvin Hagler book? Um, this, is it... I'd like... Um, I think it's just called the story, the marvelous one, something yeah. like that. Oh, yeah, I just, that. it's just yeah, yeah, you can, yeah. It's oh, really nice. just about his professional career, but quite okay. quite interesting. A bit of an aside, but interesting in getting into his his mindset over those years and how his his sort of bitterness fueled him to constantly train because he yeah, obviously he felt that he was not given the respect that he deserved or the money that he felt he deserved mm. and obviously it culminated in the the you know the the fight with Sugar Ray Leonard where i think mentally he probably lost that fight before it, it begun weirdly yep. that was at a point i think when he had slightly lost his venom. Oh, definitely. He was a rich man then. Oh, he was he, on I mean, the he agree, he, his, Him and his team agreed to reduce it from 15 rounds to 12, yeah. which they shouldn't have done. No. Um, I think they also agreed to the size of the ring being as big as you could get. Mm-hmm. I mean, 22 just, foot. You know, I think he basically thought, I'll cede every advantage possible because this is going to be an easy fight for Well, me. I think Hagler just wanted to make the fight. He'd been trying to make that fight for years. And I think he felt he had one shot mm. of making the fight and the only way he was going to make it was by giving everything over to so Sugar Ray Leonard. Sugar Ray because Leonard, yeah. Leonard Leonard did that stuff, didn't he, as a, just as, a, as mind games. He was just fucking with you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, because didn't he... Leonard also had a press conference about five years prior to that. This was after he'd ret- already retired once. Mm. 
and everyone thought it was him announcing his return. But he didn't. <laughs> Even ha- and Hagler was at the press conference. Yeah, he invited Hagler. <laughs> Hagler imagine how that pissed he was off Hagler was. He was fuming. You know, that's a psychological blow. Anyway, sorry to I just had to mention that. He you know, he reminds you of a mini Marvin Hagler and Marvin Hagler, what a fighter. What no, a story. If, if you want a good um, a good book as well on that quartet. The Fabulous Four, um, I would really recommend what is the book? I think it's The Fabulous Four. Yeah. Um, but okay. yeah, really, really outstanding. Yeah. Here's a heavyweight fight that will get your you know juices flowing. Andy Ooh. Ruiz Jr. against Luis Ortiz. Oh, yeah. So an overweight boxer against an old man. <laughs> mm. What do you think, Joe? Who are you going for? Oh, this is what I like, man. Um, <laughs> I'm going for... I don't care. I'm, I'm not going for Andy Ruiz. Yeah, I I'm think Andy, Andy Ruiz. Ruiz. I think he might knock him out, but I'm yeah. not. In, I mean, his he, last showing wasn't very good against uh, who's that Mexican heavyweight fighter? Chris Ariola. Chris Ariola. Yeah, no, he got flawed a couple fight. of times, didn't he? In that one, well, he got flawed once got and flawed hurt once, badly. Think, yeah. Hurt badly in the in the next round. Luis Ortiz had an awful performance though against. Yeah, I mean he's too uh, old. Uh, what was his name? Charles King, the Burger King. Burger King. <laughs> yeah, and we had a terrible, terrible performance against him. Mm. Which was pay per view, yes, sign of the times, isn't it? Yeah. Is this a pay per view at the weekend? I'm not no? sure. Is it uh, I don't know. I won't be paying for it. That's for sure. Well, like, <laughs> since when have you ever paid for anything, yeah. including a pint of the pub? <laughs> Here's, now, here are two fights to get the the juices really going. Clarissa Shields against Savannah Marshall. Yeah, undisputed. I mean, what a fight! Number one and number two middleweights in the world. I I think Shields might pull it off, you know. Yeah, I've been the closer that we're getting to the fight, the more I'm coming around to your way of thinking. I haven't changed my pick. No, I've got I've I've been picking Marshall in this one. Yeah, for a from very big, long time. For months months yeah. and months ago. Yeah, yeah, I've probably longer than that. And so yeah, I'm I'm sticking with my pick of Savannah Marshall, but I was very confident before their respective last fights, mm. and then their last fights really change things for me. I thought Carissa Shields looked outstanding. Mm. You know, pretty much as good as I've seen a female fight. Yeah. And Savannah Marshall looked like she was looking for the knockout yeah. far too much. And that's a problem. With a fighter like Marshall, where you're loose, you've got that sort of fury style from the Peter Fury gym. Yeah. You know, you've got to be bouncing on your toes. You get your power by your flow. Yeah, you know you can't force things yeah. at all. It's really important, and she was forcing things in that fight. Now the level of opposition meant she was okay, but you can't do that against yeah. Clarissa Shields. This one, I think they're going to have a bit of mental warfare for the first few rounds. I don't know how you see it, but I'm seeing the fight very cagey at the start because I see both of them. The keys to victory for both of them mm. is to get the other to walk onto them. Now Savannah's going to be looking for that one big shot. She's going to be looking to time the right hand. Yeah. Clarissa Shields is going to be doing something different. She wants Savannah to fall in. Yeah. And so she can catch and counter her. Mm. It's going to be a, a real cagey affair in, in the first few rounds. And then one of them will crack. Yeah. And we'll see who it is. I don't know. I'm not I'm not 100% sure who that's is that going to be. But I, I can I've got to say, with Clarissa Shields' grounding and mm. background, yeah. I imagine in a mentally taxing fight, she's going to have the ability to hold her concentration a little bit longer than Savannah. But, you know, I may well be, and I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah. But that's how I sort of see the fight going. But then I've always, as I say, had this sort of feeling that this is a great fight for Savannah Marshall and that she's 
something else, something we haven't seen in the in the women's game. Yeah, I mean, she's she, she's a big big puncher. I I rate Savannah Marshall highly, and but I just think people might be. I, weirdly, I don't. I think people might be overlooking Clarissa Shields. A lot of people seem very confident that Savannah Marshall's going to do her and well, probably knock her out. You know, sometimes. I you... mean, odds are even on the fight, pretty Got much. It. Yeah, well, yeah. I thought yeah, they were five well, six, weren't they? When I checked a while back. What, what surprises well, me is that I think when you look at great fighters, you sometimes have to look at their them in the hole, and Clarissa Shields in the hole it is just a better has a better pedigree. I'm sorry, she does. Oh, there's no, no doubt in it, both at amateur and professional level. Yeah. So, and and on a fight of this magnitude, where the it will be the small percentages, mm. that's I think going to play a massive part. This mm. is someone who, you know, will just just have she'll just be a bit more skilled, I think, and I think that's going to the boxing skill may just take over. Mm. She might, you know. On a, I wouldn't say necessarily clinic. I think it'll be definitely don't see that close. Yeah. But I think yeah. you know, think there'll be long periods where she is really frustrating Marshall, mm. boxing really well, frustrating the crowd. Yep. And what's going to happen if it's a close fight? You know, going into the later rounds, mm. people are going to be getting a bit anxious. It's going to have to force the knockout. Maybe yeah. I don't know. And all that stuff plays into Clarissa Shields as well. And don't forget, look, Clarissa Shields could easily knock Savannah Marshall out. You know, if you're no, she couldn't. You don't think so? I certainly don't think she could easily do it. I mean, she's not a knockout puncher. Um, she doesn't overwhelm boxers to the extent that she gets finishes. I definitely don't think she can get a finish. Well, obviously it's possible, but I definitely don't think that there is a likelihood or high chance yeah. that she could do. I think even if, even the, say, 50% chance there is of Shields winning, mm. I think 90% of that 50% is, is, a, is likely yeah. points decision. But, yeah. I mean, it's possible when you've got someone as good as Shields. You know, yeah, it's possible yeah, exactly. She, if she's really, if she really grinds Marshall down, but then we're looking at a fight where Marshall's got to be so thoroughly outclassed. And we're talking about, in my view, what my eyes tell me, the number one versus the number two in the world. Yeah. Or yeah. the one A versus one B, <laughs> if you like. You know, because I see Shields as having the unequivocally better yeah. amateur and professional career. Yeah. No doubt about that. Yeah. But in my eyes, tell me that there's something really special about Savannah Marshall. Yeah. That she has that X factor yeah. that the elite have. And we know that Clarissa Shields is elite. There's yeah. just no doubt in that. That's why I haven't even gone into that. But there's something that hasn't been proven yet because she hasn't fought the level of opposition. But I think she's one of them. So just on your point about the, you know, I said perhaps that Marshall could get easily knocked out. I'm not saying I foresee that. I think you're right. What you said about the likelihood of that happening is, but if Savannah Marshall has to force the fight later on, needing a knockout, yeah. you know, that's any fighter who's desperate can leave themselves open. And when you're up against a, a master boxer technician, you know, that it doesn't need to be the sledgehammer. It just needs to be a technically clean shot yeah. on, on the money. Yeah. So I just, I, I really hope that Savannah Marshall starts off aggressive and really imposes her will on don't let her get into a, a rhythm with the boxing. She obviously try and stay fluid, but I think, you know, Try and make it a dogfight as much as you can. It's very against the Peter Fury game plan to start any fight aggressive. You know, his fighters 
they feel their way into fights. Yeah, yeah. And I, th- I think that's more likely. Yeah, no, fair enough. But I agree with with you in terms of what she needs to do to really yeah. win. I yeah. agree with that. Understand what what I see actually happening is a bit different. Mm. And on the undercard of that fight, we've got Alicia Baumgartner against Michaela Mayer, which is a unification fight. That's a featherweight. This is an interesting one because I'm really, I really like Alicia Baumgartner, and yeah, and really rate her power. I mean, she can punch as well. I am really surprised that the the odds on this, Michaela Mayer is. You know the favourite by a fair chunk. Well, again, you you, you fancy it's. And, and you no, fancy no, I, I say that. Punch, I say, for th- and this, May has for, got a far for, bigger background. For this, for this one, I do actually. I really do fancy um, Baumgartner. I think. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so immature. I think that there, she's got the sort of power in that division that none of the, I'm not sure any of the other fighters have. 100%. Now, I'll make the analogy, Joel, with Katie Taylor against Amanda Serrano. I was fairly steadfast that Serrano would win that fight, probably by knockout, and that she would hurt Katie Taylor. Yeah. Now, pretty much everything I said came to fruition other than the knockout. Katie Taylor was so so badly hurt in that fight. I see the same thing happening in this fight. And I just think at some point you're going to have a big female puncher who is just going to knock one of her opponents out in a, in a big fight. Silly. Not necessarily, but just it's going to be a statement. It's going to be one of them, those ones where the casual fan, you know, the, the guys go, bloody hell, you know, that was impressive. Well, like Baumgartner's knockout of... Terry Harper. Terry Harper. Exactly. I mean, I mean that, that was, was just... I mean, that went viral all over the world. Exactly, it? you know. Because you I, don't see that in a women's game. No, and I don't think Michaela Mayer has the... What I think might happen is that very early on... On, Baumgartner will she'll come to the conclusion quite quickly that she's not gonna. There's no respect for her power. Not gonna get her, mm. and it will be a case of kind of just walking her down, being clever, but landing big shots. Mm. You know. So yeah, I think I think Baumgartner is gonna win this, and Baum, but Baumgartner is the the you know she's not the favorite. She's the outsider on that one, and I think that's obviously down to Michaela Mayer's. Pedigree as an amateur. Yeah, I'd, 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 I'd agree with the bookies here. I'd, I fancy my for this one. You fancy, yeah. yeah. No, interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I'll be watching that one for sure. Yeah, Definitely. come on, Bam Garner, mm-hmm. smash her head. <laughs> it's next Saturday, isn't it? That one, isn't it? It is. It's yes. all female card, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a shame we can't watch it together because you'll be on your way back from Wales, but. No, it's possible now. Actually, it's possible. I'm coming back on a Friday. Oh, are you? I am. Ah, okay. Oh, well, definitely going to have to uh, meet up for that one. That's, so that's a big that. night. I really want to. You know, right. Two big women fights. I think, yeah. as a you know, as a cha- you know, as a, We've got a podcast and got, channel, we've got a really that stag I went to at the weekend. Yeah, I've got a, that wedding that day. Okay, so yeah. we can meet up. But you yeah. know, you got to leave. <laughs> no problem. Yeah, oh, sweet. <laughs> The 12th of September. We do need to support a card like this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And this would be one I think we're going to, I'll be live tweeting from, you know. Yeah. So. And I'll I'll be sitting there watching Joe live tweet. Well, looking forward to those. Right, let's move on to the Kinnahan of the week. Right, the Kinnahan of the week is Zone, and I'm going to hand this one over to you, Joel. So, the Kinnahan of the week is Zone for airing this 
YouTuber fight card last weekend, headlined by KSI in two entirely irrelevant fights, which they build as the first in history, I believe. To fight two men in one night. Yeah. By the way, George Foreman fought four in one night. But anyway, we'll ignore that, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) He's also not a boxer. None of it's boxer. He fought, I think, a drill artist, was it? Uh, was someone called like Swarms that, who clearly had never even trained he, yeah. he couldn't even face the punches yeah and then he fought someone who was an apparent boxer they said he was a boxer I think he had a two and five record something like that I don't know yeah a journeyman from Mexico and he clearly had never been in an actual fight before I mean he he was complaining to the ref for punches thrown so I was like whoa, 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 whoa I didn't sign off for this well, this was a spa <laughs> yeah, a light exactly. spa what were all these people doing it <laughs> yeah. why were all these children shouting at me <laughs> it was a terrible card yeah and does own money is going on this it's it's a shame for the sport so I watched some highlights uh, does own release some highlights and they repeatedly showed referees allowing poor people to fight mm. when they didn't have a clue how to defend themselves. Yeah. And this is just a no-no in boxing. If you're yeah. unable to defend yourself, yeah. you need to stop a fight. Yeah. I don't know whether there was some sort of snobbery going on The well, if you're going to sign up for this, you got you got to face the music, which I understand, actually. Yeah. I, I sort of get that. Yeah. But there were people who were going down five, six, seven times in a fight. Yeah. People who don't know how to fight. Yeah. Going down that many times. Yeah. And the referee was just letting the fight go on. Yeah. I mean, this is disgusting. So what's that saying? Um, you don't play boxing. Yeah. What could potentially happen is you get a serious injury Someone's in a fight die. like this. Someone, Someone dies die. yeah. because they just don't have their hands up properly. Yeah. And it's not funny. It's, it's, this isn't a joke. Well, like, I, is... I, seeing this, it, it, to me, it's a complete mockery. So the action was so bad yeah. that the people in the crowd were laughing yeah you you would see someone go down yeah. or doing so you know turning their back or yeah. something like that and people were laughing audibly in the crowd it yeah. was like you'd hear the whole of the o2 just burst out laughing and but that's disrespectful to the game people oh, are going 100%. to a show and laughing at the sport of boxing so our problem with this is that the zone is a company that should be championing boxing yeah. and promoting the sport yeah and they are making themselves making a mockery of it. What I think has happened is they've they've basically sold their soul yeah. because they need to make they're money struggling. And fast. Yeah, they're struggling financially. Mm. And as we found with a lot of the stuff lately regarding Russia, regarding Saudi, mm. and it's forced some people from the zone and forced some people from Matchroom mm. to at least give a pointer as to why they're, you know, a pointer as to their moral stance on things. Yeah. And it's very clear what they say all the way through Mm. is that their only, they see their only obligation Mm. as earning as much money as possible for their fighter is how they put it. But in terms of for their fighter actually means for them, Mm. their fighters turn around and say, oh, I've got no responsibility of where I fight or anything about it. All I, all I do is do what my management and promoters tell me to. So you've got the management and promoters saying, 
well, we're doing it for the fighter. The fighter saying, I'm doing it for the management and promoter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no one takes any responsibility. What they are basically saying, and what we're looking at here with the mall vacuum Mm. that's opened up here, is we're looking at a bunch of people that I think is very reasonable to assume Mm. if they were around during the apartheid South Africa era Mm. where there was the sports boycott on apartheid South Africa, these guys would be fucking on the first plane over to South Africa taking that dough. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and letting everyone else down. Exactly. And and this thing, what we're seeing at the weekend, I know they seem, it, it doesn't seem like much of a connection between the two issues here. Mm. I, I assure you there is. Yeah. We're talking about the arbiters of our sport and the controllers of our sport, yeah. who, as you say, just lost all sight of what they're doing mm. other than just earning earning dough. That's it. Yeah. That's the only responsibility. That's the only, And the problem is what happens then when you lose your soul, it's it destroys the sport in the long term. Yeah, I think you're right. So I think will 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 potentially happen is they'll you know you'll have YouTubers mm. making a lot of money under yeah. the guise of being yeah. boxers, yeah, and they might make some good money the zone in the short term, but in the long term, I think it will turn people away from the sport. It's 100%. not. It's not. You can't have people like. I'm sorry, just can't have these people doing this sport which is no joke I, I'm really surprised there's a market for it in a way because I just well the market what's, isn't for boxing the market, the market now, isn't Hannah? for boxing though is it the market is for a fight this is all we're seeing here is what I've said before on the pod and what I've said to you plenty of times my analogy of you've got you know a, a, a you're in Trafalgar Square and you've got a football match happening in one corner. Mm. You've got a rugby game in the other. You've got a golf little putting competition in the other corner. And then you've got a fight in the other corner. Yeah. Where's everyone going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's appealing to something primal in us. Mm. And what we're seeing here, it's not boxing. It's just a fight. Mm. And how we justify to ourselves loving the sport is we say that there's meaning to it and there's beauty in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's beauty in that brutality yeah and there's no beauty in what's happening there no it's you know it's, it's, it's teaching kids that there's something to be gained in there's something to be had and respect to be taken from fighting your peers for mm. no reason whatsoever yeah totally no one's in agree. danger no one's in thing there's not a proper prize at the end of it yeah you're just saying i'm harder than you Exactly. We, need, we shouldn't be setting this example. No, I think you're right. I actually think that that's, you put that perfectly, mate. It's uh, so, yeah, the zone, killing of the week. It's, oh, yeah. it's embarrassing. Yeah. Right. Let's go on to the magazine lottery. So, last week, I picked out an edition of Boxing Monthly from February 2011. And on the front cover, we had James DeGale, Carl Froch, and David Hay. And I remember talking to you at the time, Joel, there was a piece in here about the top 10 prospects from America. Yes. We had a chat. Yeah, we did. But I'm going in a different direction, mate. But I put in so much prep. Did you? No, of course not. (laughs) (laughs) Because if you had, I obviously would have done the nice thing and said, all right, the mic over, yeah? (laughs) So here there was... So there was a piece in this called Frotchies 5, and it was written by Ian McNeely. And the title of the piece was, Has any British world champion ever had as impressive a five-fight sequence as the Nottingham Cobra? 
And I was a big Carl Froch fan back in the day. In fact, uh, probably of you know the boxers of my era, he probably comes into the top. Uh, to, you know, in terms of fights I watched, fights that I just thought were brilliant and exciting, he probably top three. I mean, there was so much drama in a Carl Froch fight. Well, funnily enough, he just loved watching. Yeah, him. he's probably he'll be in my top three or five of the last how many years. And funnily enough, his great rival George Groves would definitely be in there as well. Yeah, never in a bad fight. Never in a bad fight. Yeah. So. This five-fight run, which culminated in him beating Arthur Abraham for the vacant WBC super middleweight title in November 2010. So this began in December 2008 in an absolute classic slugfest against Jean Pascal, against Jean Pascal which, was, which was for the vacant WBC title. And Announced both of them onto the scene, that one, didn't it? Yeah, and that was on ITV. It was. This yeah. was in the days that you had these massive fights. It was in the same year and part of the same deal as Joe Calzaghe against Jeff Lacey. Yeah, yeah. Being on ITV. I remember watching that on a small telly that I had in my room and just, and being so excited for it, thinking, yeah. oh, there's a fight I can watch that's like, you know, easy to, you know, don't have to leave the room. It's yeah. there. It's sort of, you know. and, it, and it was an, a real classic, a real under underrated not underrated underappreciated yeah classic yeah I mean it was just constant back and forth and it was a real war both of them landed some hellacious blows on each Prime, other you strong know, fires man. Yeah. and you know the punishment they took and were you know capable of um, flying back with you know responding to and both refusing to take a step back wouldn't they yeah exactly so Carl Froch won that I think on a fairly thin decision but yeah. deserved I think it was majority decision I think yeah then you've got April 2009, his 12th round uh, TKO of Jermaine yeah. Taylor. So for, the, for our listeners, this was his first defence and this was in America. And Jermaine Taylor at the time had, I think he had lost uh, 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 to, what's that? Um, uh, Kelly Pavlik. He'd lost to Kelly Pavlik by, by this point, but do bear in mind he had beaten Bernard Hopkins twice. He had. He'd beaten Bernard Hopkins twice. He then had a tough run, didn't he? A, a middle against um, Spinks, against Cassie Moomer, a peak Cassie Moomer. Right. And then um, and Kelly Pavlik, and he got a real beating. Seventh round KO, I think that was, wasn't it? But then the rematch yeah. was far more competitive. And he oh, lost right, a, yeah. a points decision to Kelly Pavlik. And then he moved up to super middle. So this, the Kelly Pavlik rematch actually happened as super middle as well, at yeah. catch weight. Yeah. And then, yeah, then they had this, this one at super middle. And so what I'm saying is, is Taylor was in good form. Yeah, no, I mean, this is a... This is a and the favourite. Yeah, it was a great opponent to take on. Yep. And in that fight, Carl Froch was behind going into the final round. He'd been knocked down in the third round as well. Beautiful, beautiful knockdown. Yeah, I think it's that was the first knockdown of his amateur boxing. or pro career. It as was, well. and he got he he walked onto it. He walked straight onto, fell on his backside. Shot. Yeah, <laughs> very similar to the way he went down actually against George Groves. Yeah, it? so yeah. one way, when you when you knock Carl Froch down, you literally have to take him off his feet. Yeah, you have to hit him so strong that he just lands straight on his ass. Exactly, <laughs> it's mad, yeah. isn't it? It is. What an old bastard. Yeah. And so, yeah, in this one, he was down on points and in the 12th round needed a knockout and he essentially just walked Jermaine Taylor down in a feat of iron will, managed to knock him or have the fight stop with about 13 seconds remaining. Mm. It was just a brilliant performance. I mean, that was just, 
he he obviously arrived on the scene with John Pascal, but that fight to do that he wasn't to be denied that night. No, there was something that's where you just say he was so strong minded. Yeah, I mean I've got a thing about his mind when because you were talking about his mind earlier. I say that there was something I heard years ago, and I'll make them right. Carl Froch brainwashed himself into thinking yes. he was better than he, he was. is. Yeah. Which made him better than he was. Yeah. It actually made him as good as he thought he was. Yeah. I mean, yeah. What, a, what an amazing bit of psychology that is, isn't it? Yeah. No, it's, uh, I might have to try that. <laughs> <laughs> so then we go on to the Super Six tournament and his first fight, I believe, against Andre Durrell, which was on the 17th of October 2009. Again, peak Durrell. Peak, this and is no again. No way he won that fight. <laughs> No way. You thought that Durrell oh. won the fight. And we're going from that, that another uh, side note here. We went from Cole Froch being exposed on the big to the biggest audience on mm. ITV. And then he goes into that and it was on blooming Premier Sports. Oh yeah, yeah. Terrible, yeah. Isn't it? What's Bardi <laughs> anyone? Yeah. You know, what a what a calm down. You thought Durrell deserved the decision. Yeah, I in thought that. he boxed his ears off in that fight, yeah, actually. Yeah. yeah. Okay, interesting. So Carl Froch got won a majority decision in that fight. Yeah. Controversial. And but one thing you, you can't say is that he's he's certainly not avoiding anyone. <laughs> no, I mean he's fighting top, top level fighters here. And um Darrell there was at his peak. He then went into his next fight. He mm. fought Arthur Abram mm. in his next fight and absolutely battered Abram all around the room, just totally outboxed him. Mm. And then Abram hit him after. What well, it was a foul. He hit him after she disqualified the bell after, and he was disqualified. Yeah. yeah, and but he was never the same fighter, Darrell. After that, I mean, yeah. I think that really affected him badly. Okay, interesting. And so what I'm saying is, is that the level of fighter that Carl Froch fought, yeah, again, is not appreciated in history because it was kind of stolen from him in his next fight. Yeah, yeah. But trust me, Andre Darrell that night was elite. Yeah, yeah. In, okay, so. Then, then who, guess who he fought next, mate? <laughs> Arthur Abram? No. Uh, oh, sorry. No, no, no. Uh, Mikel Kessler. Mikel Kessler. Yeah, what a fight. Yeah, I mean, that was a back and forth yeah, slugfest again. It was. It was a crazy build-up to that one, man. You had the volcano. Do you remember that? The ash cloud. Oh, yeah, yeah, it yeah, was. Yeah, it was the yeah. ash cloud just hovering over Europe. Yeah. And he, he couldn't get in there to delay the fight. And he got there, but it was a terrible build-up. He got there just with a couple of days to spare. And yeah. All this. And then they went in there and they just threw Bombs, bombs, mate. Yeah, yeah. He threw bombs. That yeah. was that's another like that's another one. He keeps having these ones where he fights really hard guys in their in their physical prime. Yeah. And he can take the punches and the punishment and they can. Yeah, exactly. Oh. This is do you remember when I was saying in one of the pods, he's the real definition of a 12-round fighter. Yeah, because he fought, fights 12-round wars. So you have to yeah. punch someone a lot. And be punched back a lot over 12 rounds. Boxing, isn't it, mate? Yeah. <laughs> Funny old game, isn't it? Yeah. Not my uh, idea of fun, but there you go. Uh, so, yeah, he lost that fight. And that was it. So he lost his WBC super middleweight title in that yeah. fight. But then what was interesting was that I think Mikel Kassler had to vacate here that title because he injured himself prior to his next fight in the Super Series. So what happened was that Carl Froch then took on Arthur Abraham. Yeah for the vacant WBC super middleweight fight. Now, I remember, you know, our producer, Paul. Yeah. So I I, I watched this in Kent. Right. I was around Paul's house with the lads. And I, but I remember saying to them when I got there, I said, we are watching the Carl Froch fight, like massive Carl. They, they're, they're not into box. I was a massive, yeah. got to watch this fight. 
it's a tough fight. I'm I'm a bit, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. A bit bit of a 50-50 fight. I think that was probably Carl Froch's best boxing performance. Yeah, he absolutely put on a clinic against Arthur, completely outboxed him. There was a really interesting moment in that fight mm. between rounds where Carl was pleading with Rob McCracken to let him off the leash. Mm. And Rob was going, no, yeah. you stick to the game plan. Yeah. You don't, this man's too dangerous. Yeah. Because remember, Arthur Abram used to come on late as well. Yeah. He was on, how many fights was he behind in? And then, bosh, 10, yeah. 11, 12 rounds, he just lands one of those crazy punches. Mm. And Rob was not letting that happen to Frotch that night. Mm. And it took a lot of mental strength again yeah. to keep himself under control and do what he did because it's totally against Frotch's His, instincts. Exactly, exactly. Now, that was the fifth fight, and that was a fight he won on points. Uh, it was a washout. Now, one thing looking back on the career of Carl Frotz, so this is like just, just an example of a five-fight run. I mean, to be fair, after that, he, he probably Can we had... carry on with that run, mate? Yeah, because so... I think that this is... He's, he's talked about this in 2011, right? Yeah. I actually think that this is the strongest run by any fighter, including Canelo Alvarez's over the last few years. Yeah. No, it's... In... Right, so after... The, Arthur Abraham. After Arthur Abraham. Glenn Johnson. He then fought Glenn Cough Johnson. Yep. He'd, come in, he'd come into the Super Series tournament, I think, taking Kessler's Kessler, yeah. place. And then after that, he... Andre Ward. Fought Andre Ward in the yeah. final. After that, he then fought Lucian Butte. Can I just interrupt you, Joe? Yep. So for those who don't, who listeners who may not know, Glenn Johnson, fantastic fighter. <laughs> the road warrior. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Although he was old, the guy was super fit yeah, and he was a brilliant fighter. He'd knocked out Roy Jones. Jones exactly. He'd beaten Antonio Tarver yes. when Tarver was at his peak exactly. after Tarver had yeah. knocked out Roy Jones. Exactly. Yeah. Andre Ward is a one of the greats. One of the, the greats, just one of the great technicians. Carl Froch lost that in a fairly wide unanimous decision. But in terms of calibre of fighters, you've gone from Kessler to Arthur Abraham to Glenn Johnson to Andre Ward. Then you've got Lucy and Butte, which was a unification fight. Now, again, this fight, again, is underappreciated because Lucian Butte was actually seen as possibly the number one in the division. Yep. He was the standout number two. Yep. He decided not to get involved in the Super Series event yep. or the Super Six event. Yeah, Super called Six. Super yeah. Six event. And, but he was the other elite in the super middleweight division. Exactly. And he'd had wins against, or oh, he had a crazy win against Andrade and a bunch of other sort of high-profile fights. He was a, a Canadian native and he was he was a real crowd and promoter's favourite. Well, look, he, And he, he went away. He was so confident that he agreed to fight for in Nottingham. Yeah. So And what a performance Lu that was. Lucien Butte had beaten prior to this Sakio Beaker, William Joppe, Edison Miranda, Jesse Brinkley, yeah. Glencoff Johnson. Yep. And in leading up to that fight. And Librado Andrade. Yeah, yeah. And leading up to that fight in Nottingham, which was in May 2012, he was the favourite. Yeah, he was. It was seen as a fight that Carl Froch could lose and get knocked out in. Mm. That was the sort of feeling. It was, it was do or die for his career. Exactly. And he absolutely battered Lucien Butte. possessed. Jesus, Man I mean. possessed. You will not see a better display of attacking intent mm. in a fight. 
he weren't going to be denied that night. And it was clear after about 30 seconds. And the shock on Butte's face. I know. <laughs> he, uh, he showed it. It was like that. What was it? The um, It was the middleweight. Curtis Stevens, when he got done against Golovkin, he got flawed. Oh, yeah, and, and he, he had just that saw look. the shot, the wide-eyed, yeah. oh, how can a human being punch this hard? I know, yeah. Butte had that. Exactly. Go, and it's on YouTube, that one. Go watch it. If you haven't seen that fight, mm. peak Carl Froch. Exactly. After the biggest loss of his career. Amazing mentality on the guy. Yeah. What I liked about Carl Froch was there was always a fight which you which was a 50-50 fight or one where you was maybe worried about him where he would put in a performance that just made you go, wow, this guy's something yeah. special. Yeah. You so know, what, Lucien Butte was, was one of them. I think this is where the run actually ends. Yeah, you've got you Yusef Mack gimme. after that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> one gimme, one gimme. And that was it. And then after Yusef Mack, he fought Mikel Kessler again. Twice. Avenged that defeat. Yeah. And he fought George Groves twice. twice yeah. And so beat him. what we're talking about there is that the final, what, about 11, 12 fights of his career? Mm. He had one fight that you would say was less than... The, the the biggest less than competitive was, maybe yeah, yeah, it yeah wasn't but a, you wouldn't say well no because I was going to say that for all the other ones you would only give Frotch a 55% chance of winning exactly yeah 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 and that was the only one where you went oh 85% chance exactly yeah 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 so, he's one of my favourite fighters I just one. loved his um, fighting style he was never in a dull fight no and we got to that was again one of the first legendary careers of a British fighter that we got to appreciate exactly. from start to finish yeah, as yeah, real yeah. boxing fans I mean we we can just talk about this all night. Carl Frotch's yeah. career, I mean, it Brilliant. was just something else. We didn't need no notes there. We didn't need no nothing. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, we yeah, can yeah. just spraff on this because mm-hmm. this is just, this is our boxing. Yeah, This exactly. isn't like, we haven't read a book about this. <laughs> we haven't we haven't searched out anything on YouTube. I remember where I was, yeah, who so I do was I. with yeah. for each one of those fights. That's I lovely. Rem- I love it. Lo- I love that with boxing. I can remember the moment. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Like pretty much any fight you know, that I've watched over the last sort of 25 years, yeah. I can remember where I was and who I was with. And some of those people, frankly, I would have forgotten about. Yeah. I would have no other reason <laughs> to think about your... them if it wasn't for my <laughs> boxing obsession. And and the the little part they played in my love of the sport. Yeah. It's yeah. what we all have, this relationship with the sport. I love yeah. it. Love... One of the great moments of, 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 of the Carl Froch story in the career was the, the first fight with George Groves in that first round. I remember watching it and thinking... Again, this is Carl Froch just has the capacity to surprise you. Mm. Watching that, I thought you're getting smashed now. You're getting knocked out. Yeah. You're finished. And to somehow creep his way back into that fight after um, that punch he took, and then just just and, and and he says even after in the interviews and after he said you know I wasn't with it for about four or five rounds. Yeah, I think he says that he can't remember anything until about the seventh or mm. something like that. Yeah, I mean that's that's nuts. It makes you realise. I mean. He just had something about him. He could walk through walls. Yeah, he was made of different stuff, wasn't he? He was sometimes yeah. a human being comes along that's so hard yes. that normal rules don't apply to them. Yeah, <laughs> me and uh, <laughs> Carl Frost. <laughs> Where, where's the humour? <laughs> I promise I'll work on my humour, John. <laughs> so, yeah, I wanted to read that because oh, I actually I thought it, it was a, a lovely piece of no, no, I re- really enjoyed that, Joe. Like, good little, I'm glad that you moved on from that top 10. I was, I was, I was genuinely looking forward to attacking that top 10. Yeah, but, yeah, but I think this, this is better. This was me easier nice for me smile. to do as well. It's yeah, just, sure. you know, I've watched all these fights pretty much. Oh, so. lovely, though. After this, shall we watch a Cole Fox fight? Yeah, let's yeah, do let's, do it. It. let's do it. Um, 
Now, you've got to pick out your magazine for your return in two weeks, Joel. Right, so Joel's pulled out of an episode of Boxing News. It looks like an old one. July 20th, 1990. Looks as old as you, mate. (laughs) (laughs) And it's got Harold Bomber Graham and Don King on the front. Cover says, whose title is it anyway? Interesting. Sharisa. I bet Don King comes across really badly in this front page. No. I, I bet he does. Not Don King. I haven't read it, <laughs> but let's see. Okay, so Harold Bomagraham was the mandatory for Julian Jackson's title. Yep. And King offered them $40,000 each. Oh, my God. And said that if Harold Bomagraham didn't take it, then we will approach the next available contender. So he was just strong on him. Yeah, he was, Harold Graham it. wasn't a donking fighter, so yeah. he probably just had no respect for him and thought, no, yeah. probably trying to get one of his fighters to fight instead. Yeah, I think so. So anyway, this looks like a really interesting addition. So whatever, episode, as Joe says. Whatever you do, uh, Joel, don't lose it. What I'll do is <laughs> I'll just leave it here. Yes. Uh, and that's left out. I'll be reading that. I'll take it on holiday with me. Maybe I'll lose it when I'm away, but I'll take it on holiday and read the old thing. <laughs> and on that note... I think we are done. Had a lovely time. Thanks for cheering me up, Joe. No, that's all right. I hope you have a lovely holiday. Oh, thank you. And you'll get to watch... uh, No, you'll get to watch... What fight are you going to watch? We've got uh, King Kong Ortiz. Oh, yes, yeah. And Smith Uh, McKinney, yeah. And we've got that, yeah. Smith McKinney, I'll be... McKinney. McKinney, I'll be watching on Saturday night. And then probably the thing afterwards. Yeah, good. We've got Arsenal United on Sunday as well. On United, Sunday, United yeah, Arsenal, yeah. So when oh. it all falls apart, isn't yeah. It? Paul, Paul's a Man United fan. Remember that? Oh, we is it? Probably can't go in too hard on him when we thrash them five mm. 0 <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I've uh, jinxed us. Yeah. Right. On that note, we shall say bye to our lovely listeners, and we look forward to providing you with another episode in the next couple of weeks. Goodbye. Goodbye. Love you all.